Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense, trying to tangle with us. Scoop of a big black booty's in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, This is going to be hard to record if you're going to talk like a character from a beer commercial from 20 years ago the whole time. What's up? <laughs> What's up, the Lakers? I hate them. I don't like the Warriors oh, fans either. I know. And and I think like, like we said on DMs, this is, for me, it's almost, a, the both fan bases are so appalling that you you can kind of put it aside and, and just try and enjoy the basketball. Are we doing the podcast? Uh, I think we are. The, yeah, well, the yeah, thing we is are. The, I think, the, the I think Warriors. Lakers, Lakers Warriors is probably the most interesting series because you've got two completely different styles. You know, like the old saying about styles make fights. Yeah. A lot of the time, like Lakers, sorry, like Dubs, Kings, you had two movement offenses. You had essentially the same kind of basketball going on. This is like something totally different. And the two games that have been played, the one that Lakers won, it was the best case scenario for the way they play basketball. And it was the only way they could win by by going inside and by the, by the, the Dubs not having a great shooting night and by AD absolutely dominating. And the way the Dubs won today as we record this was exactly the way the Dubs have, can only win that. Uh, can only win a game, which is by one of their their guards going absolutely stupid and shooting shooting the the Lakers out of it uh, in the in the shape of of Clay Thompson. So it's really interesting. I do think though that the Dubs. I know we, we kind of have that. You know, the Jaws music starts up in the back of your head whenever the Dubs get like five five to eight points ahead in any game because you're just expecting the explosion. Yeah, and I do feel like the Dubs figured out late in game one by going to the what. Dickheads call the pool party, you know, the all the all the guards all the time lineup. I think that's I think they figured out some shit at the end of game one that taught them a lot about game two and probably uh, a lot of the games to follow. Balls well, podcast, Doc Beezer. <laughs> the thing that I thought and, was uh, Mr. Grolsch. Why are you not making the Lakers run? The, the Lakers are old and the Lakers do not want to run, especially their two guys that are terrified of getting injured. And this game, they made them run. Like, you could see it in that first quarter. They were just pushing, pushing, pushing off every miss. Well, I can think of one reason why the Warriors might not want to run. They're not exactly spring fucking chickens themselves. Mm. HP Basketball was saying, oh, you know. How do you know? He's blocked us on Twitter. LeBron and AD should stay in and... (laughs) Has he? <laughs> All right. The, the tweet um, where he got blocked, where he blocked us on Twitter, has, has like a hundred likes. So we must have been making some yeah. point that was valid. Um, like AD and and LeBron should stay in to like make Curry run. And I'm like, Curry's the fittest player in the NBA. Like, I, I genuinely believe he is the fittest player in the NBA. Ma- maybe there's like some role players that all they do is run, but at the level of basketball that he plays, I don't think there would be anyone who could play harder for longer. You know, there's some young guys, I guess, like Ann Edwards and stuff like that. But but Curry just plays so hard all the fucking time, right? Off the ball, on the ball, 
even fight like fighting over screens today. Like the dude just fucking he has a a, a real fucking motor that I, I just think it's the most sort of underappreciated part of his game is the fact that he can just run for that that many cats. It'd be interesting to know the um uh the what's the the camera data. So that what's the tracking system? Second spectrum. Second spectrum data on yeah. who who runs them. You know who who runs the most percentage of the time they're on the court? Because remember there was that Westbrook one from from the from the Wizards year where he ran like for the percentage of the time that you're on the court, he ran the least amount of of minutes percentage wise of any any starter in the NBA yeah, or something. Running you know, isn't a proxy. I mean, um, this might be a football mentality, but running isn't a proxy for actually doing anything. The obsession with running. I mean, you've, it's not about how much you run. It's whether it, you do, whether you run at the right times. Um, yes and no. Because, I mean, I'd like to see he's old. Like, I'd like to see him saving himself in in moments where he can because he's going to have to play bulk <laughs> minutes. He and, he and LeBron are going to have to yeah. ha- play ridiculous minutes in these series because both of those teams are flawed. Well, that's they're not they're not superhero teams, and like the way that they were the last time they played each other in the in the finals. Th- that's probably what the Lakers are most unhappy about today is that LeBron had this fucking amazing first half and they sort of wasted it <laughs> you know what did he have like 18 points in 14 minutes or something like he was just absolutely yeah, do it in the second the half and- <clears throat> no no well i don't think anyone came with him right you know AD, no. AD wasn't there and and no. their role players you know other than Rui weren't doing much and and so you know put put the pool cue in the rack and and come back tomorrow yeah Moda kill picked up something that was um Interesting in the first game about the way that the um, the Lakers were face essentially face guarding the the Warriors guards on the perimeter to stop them ever actually you know being able to get underneath and get to the ball, and I think they they figured out some like by using a lot more Steph pick and roll. Listen to us, we're a fucking basketball X and O's podcast. Um, by using a lot more <laughs> Steph pick and roll, they they kind of got into situations where Steph was getting much cleaner looks. Um, yeah, it, it's there's been a lot. That's a that's a defensive principle that's come, and I'm not sure why this year particularly. But that denying the good player the ball thing. Now maybe it's just because the it does seem like a very obvious the, concept, the, doesn't it? <laughs> no, but like that that like not not letting you know not letting the ball get to LeBron, not letting the ball get mm. to Steph Curry, like that as a tactic. Um, like even Russ was doing that to. Uh, Duran in that first in that first series, right? Just don't let Durant get the ball. You know, sort of just make it really hard for him to to get to the ball and then even get into his stuff. You know, like you're getting it under pressure. Mm. And yet the, the the Nuggets have figured out just give him the ball. He won't actually do much with it. Well, it's interesting because Malone is a little bit like Bud, and I'm sure we'll get to Bud later. In that <laughs> he's Bud. known as a coach. That, he hasn't had a good week. That likes to run his stuff and doesn't. Um, you know he's not very flexible, and yet hey, yeah, they he's were not doing as those. anathema to to um, adjustments as Bart or Tibbs. I would have thought he's not quite at Spo's level of or you know of, of kind of in game you know constant tweaking and, and and adjustment. But he's not a you know he's he's not completely inflexible. He's not the, the game plan is is the game plan, and that's all we run. Yeah, I think he's like like I always said the difference between. Kobe and Jordan and and LeBron was that Kobe just wasn't as Kobe talented. was a rapist <laughs> that that too um, that he just was he wasn't as talented as those two guys you know he didn't have the talent but he just had the the work ethic and that's what Malone you know the the, the stories about Tibbs going on 
you know, the the learning tours and stuff like that and then coming back <laughs> and race. Exactly. And learning nothing and changing nothing and, and just doing his nothing. own. I think Sam We're- Allardyce did that as well. Like he's recently now the coach of your Leeds United um, yeah, football team trying not, to save not, them not from near, relegation. Not as nearly as exciting as our, our last coach or the coach before our last coach. No, but, uh, yeah, possibly more likely to save you from relegation. But uh, he went on like a... a like a work, like a tour of you know, with Pep Guardiola and all these other guys, and then he came back to playing the same grim fucking, you know, shit and biscuits sort of very British kind of football. I mean, to be fair, I've never actually seen Sam Allardyce with a decent team, and he has coached my team West Ham, and he's he's coached Blackburn Rovers, which was you know a team I've, I've had a lot of affection for through the nineties and two thousands. So, I mean, he's coached pretty much every fucking team in Britain. But yeah, he also went on. He's a bit, kind of a a Timsian, a, a Timsian coach of the Premier League who also went on a world tour of of, of learning and then learned absolutely nothing and has changed absolutely nothing and is, and is all the better for it. That's the thing. Well, These people have been rewarded for not learning anything, so they're not fucking. You know, can't yeah, t- t- right, teach them anything now. <laughs> they're not here to Whereas, listen. I, I I get the feeling with Malone is he learns slowly, but he's not. Inflexible. He's just not that instinctive genius like Spo is. You know, like Spo, Spo just seems to know when to push what button. And and I guess also the thing with Spo is he's he always seems to be under resourced. And and every time it looks like things are going well, he you know loses another player. Oh, you don't need Tyler Hero. Oh, you don't need Jimmy Butler. Just you know turn Caleb Martin into a into a twenty five point a game scorer. You can do that, but. Like there was a couple of tweaks Malone did in that second game defensively, where you know they were they were doing that hedge and recover sort of um, style, where the, you know Jokic would come up, sort of hedge and then come back, and it was really effective. Like I don't know whether or not he sort of gets dinged, I think, because they rolled through that last six weeks or four weeks of the season and they didn't look, but it just looks like they were keeping their powder dry a little bit, doesn't it? Because that second game was if you've got Booker and Durant and you can keep them under 90 points that's pretty fucking impressive i think under 80 points in game 1 that was a that was a 90s yeah. ass game of basketball that was like a 97 87 yeah. and they are just uh, admittedly it was at altitude in denver you know phoenix uh, you know just this quite just this just in phoenix is not at altitude it's on a fucking salt flat essentially in a desert uh, things will be different in Phoenix, but yeah, that's um, that's going to be difficult. That's going to be really difficult, and there's going to we're going to need to see some stuff in Game Three that we did not see at any stage in Games One and Two. And Denver's front office, like, admittedly, it's two games in, right? Let's see, because it might be going back to Denver two two, and, and and then we completely look at it differently. Absolutely, their their role players are playing their role. You know, yeah. KCP was brought in to do a job. He is doing exactly that job. He took eight shots. He hit six of them. He had awesome defense. Like, it, it, like if you looked up role player, his his game two would essentially be it. You know, hit the shots that you are open for or that you get, and play really good defense and don't cause any problems. Which is exactly why they booted Bones Island, right? Because he couldn't play that role. And it's a little bit wild. Also, because they got sick of having to say Bones Highland every time he was Island. being announced for the uh, the team. 
Yeah, I think Bones is on his and way out of the Clippers too. They might not. They might not fucking bring him back. So, um, wow, this bit might maybe, have a very short him, shelf life. Maybe him and uh, and Dylan Brooks can both go to the Wizards and shoot oh, as many dear. times as they like. Dylan Brooks, not uh, under any circumstances. That's the title of his Netflix special. It's coming soon. It's uh, that's pretty brutal. That's it's, it's somebody it, when a, a press release comes out saying we are not bringing this guy back. This he's a restricted free agent, isn't he, or is he is just a free agent? Just a free um, agent. Basically, yeah. they've just said we're not bringing him back. We're not bringing him back under any circumstances. <laughs> just like what, even if he offered to play for free, it's uh, that's a pretty clear signal that that they're not impressed with the way he conducted himself. And and they're quite happy for him to be the scapegoat for problems that were probably more than him. Certainly, they're uh, they're not going to get rid of Ja Morant, who, you know, also fucked about and found out. Yeah, well, I, I see that little story. I can't. Sorry, I can't find where I read it about an NFL coach and a, and a star quarterback. You, you know, but basically having a discussion about you know, like a, a star offensive blocker or cornerback or, you know, someone essential to the team that was a star and who was doing very Jar Morant sort of things. And the quarterback's like, you know, this dude's not good for the team culture. We we need to fuck him off. And sorry, the coach said that. And the quarterback's like, no, no, don't, don't cut the, the star player. Cut the, like, fourth string or third string player that he hangs out with that enables all his bullshit. And it seems like maybe Dylan Brooks was a little bit like, not so much off the court, but the, the on-court pettiness and the- Yeah, and I was going to say, I don't, think, I don't imagine Dylan Brooks and Ja Moran actually hang out at all. I just don't think they've got very different kind of stays. No, no, I, I'm not I'm not saying that. But Dylan Brooks, and I, I've coached a team like this, that underdog young team that has to have the chip on their shoulder to to sort of get to a certain point. But then you've got to grow up and you've got to become sort of professional and find a way to win without that chippiness, like without that sort of underdog mentality. You sort of got to be able to go to the next level. And Dylan Brooks doesn't seem like a player that ever wants to. He always wants to play with that chip on his shoulder. Now, there's a fine line, right? There's the, the shall we call it the, the, the Brooks Draymond Green line? Like, you know, if your talent's a certain percentage over the line, you can continue to have that yeah bullshit, chippy, talk to the ref stuff. And if it's the below the line, then you're out and we, we don't want to sign you under any circumstances. And you're Patrick Beverly, basically. Yeah, that's right. He's going around doing an itinerant fucking, yeah. <clears throat> it's, you see, Pat Beverly said that he and he and Russ are expecting rings if the Lakers win. <laughs> like, mm. Oh, man. I, I like- <laughs> I've never, I've never seen something that makes me want to want the Lakers to win a championship more than the thought of them having to give Russ and Patrick Beverly because that's the tradition, right? If you played a sub- substantial amount of games on a team and you win a chip, you get a ring. Well, I don't that know whether that works if so you then go funny. on to try and stop the team from from proceeding. But I'm pretty sure that happened with Anderson Verigel. Didn't he get traded from? Like from the uh, Cavs to the Warriors, or vice versa, during the time where they where they were um, yeah, there was contending. There was someone that was yeah that went from that they were playing in the finals, and he basically was was guaranteed a ring in the way. Pretty sure that was Anderson Verajao, but he because he, um, yeah. he, he was a Cav, and then then he got let go, and they got picked up by the Warriors for uh, mostly trolling reasons, I expect. Um, mm. Speaking of trolling, um, Jokic. 
I mean, if if phoning in the last six weeks were enough, I mean, him him just poncing around in his underpants, showing how much of a fuck he gives about losing the MVP, I think is probably um, <laughs> it. We probably need to talk about the fact that Joel Embiid finally won the MVP in time to lose can, can by we- nine hundred points to the Celtics in Game Two. There's sort of. Oh. I find there's three parts to the MVP, right? With this is yeah, there's an M it's a really good- and there's a V. <laughs> and I think the last part is a P. Most valuable well, pants, which is what Jokic turned up in. If Embiid wasn't such a rampant troll and just an insufferable sook, I don't mind the trolling. I just yeah. it's the sooking. It's the you know he can troll people, but the, he's got the thinnest skin imaginable when it comes back at him. And they're like, oh, I'm being disrespected and oh, all the rest of this sort of shit. It's like, no, it's just that you don't you don't deserve respect with the way you carry on. So, of course, you're being disrespected. Yeah. Do something that deserves respect. Shut your fucking mouth, bro. God, we're sick of it. So, so he, he, the thing is that his story is actually a little bit like Giannis. Should be this really inspirational, heartfelt, you know, guy came from Africa- Hadn't really played the game, you know, from Basketball Without Borders program. Played the game for the first time in a fucking Basketball Beyond Borders basketball yeah. camp. It's amazing, but he doesn't give it a chance to breathe. Like Big Was even said it today. It's like, I hope everyone's happy that the, the voters got bullied into, you know, into picking this dude and then sort of laughed about it. But he's right. Like, you know, it's like, well, you know, Jokic has got two and Giannis has got two, so we've got to give it to Embiid. It's like, well- do you have backbones? Like, can't you just it's pick the- It's not a fucking participation medal. Yeah. Can't you just pick the best player this season? And that's the thing, right? Like, you can say that and it do- it doesn't really matter, right? He he actually is a uh, worthy MVP. It's not like Jokic and Giannis were heaps better than him. Like, there's an argument for each player, but it just feels wrong because of the- As we've said, uh, as we said weeks ago, any of those three would have been fine as an MVP. Yeah. You could have even given it to fucking Tatum if you wanted to because, you know, he, he captained a fantastic basketball team. It really doesn't fucking matter. It feels almost like Jokic just said, fuck, he can have it because that will take the intensity out of him <laughs> when it comes to the pointy end of the season and I don't need to worry about him when the fucking uh, mm. when, when the chips are down and, and we're, playing, we're playing best of seven at the end of June and – Chess, not checkers, man. It really, it really, and and this could be this could be because we've. I think Nuggets are now the official team of the Bulls podcast. I think we've both yep. come in behind them because we don't want we don't want to see either the Lakers what? or the or the Warriors fans happy. So, uh, and um, at all all the fucking Celtics, assuming they they don't get and terrified the sun, by the heat. Like, I mean, you, the you Suns. Sort of, you laughed at me and said, "Are you off the Suns or out?" I think this is the the, the Suns. This no, no, is no, a- no. I, 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 there's no question. You have abandoned your team in the most. I mean, at least at least when I abandoned <laughs> my team, it was because the coach was a rapist and the and the, the owner was a psychopath. But you've got no reason to abandon the Suns except for the fact that you're terrified by success because your team has been defined by failure. <laughs> That's probably true. I I just think this is not the year. Like, except except that you've got to revamp this team around Durant and Booker, and this is not the team. If like, this is not the year, there is no year. Ah, uh, no, I think there is. Like, you got to get rid of Aiton. Get 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 role play. Get case. Get get your KCP and Aaron Gordon for for DeAndre Aiton. That's what you need to do. How long do you think like, Kevin Durant's going to be there for? 
Well, he's got three years on his contract, so. Yeah, spoken like a Brooklyn Nets fan. At least another one. Spoken like a, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we've been here before. Yeah, I just don't know where he would go that's, like, Booker's really fucking good, right? And he's not Russell Westbrook or Kyrie. Like, the the guy is a a very solid, dependable young player. Um, They just need to to read, like, they, they did the best they could. You know, buy out Chris Paul, get a, a, a competent point guard, and trade Aiton for role players, and th- that side will look a lot better come finals time next year. I, I just don't think this is their year. I don't. I don't. I don't think this is the the right side. Yeah, they the lack of depth really, really has bitten them in the ass in a way that that has been dramatic. <laughs> well, that 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 video of Aiton st- standing. Behind the baseline, while Kevin Durant, who'd already played like 32 minutes, is like battling with Jokic and Aaron Gordon for a rebound. Like, you know, they're just basically pummeling each other. And Nathan's just sitting there going, yeah, this is, this is really compelling to watch. What a great seat I've got. <laughs> just standing there, like not even, didn't even have his arms up above his head. I was like, dude, perhaps you should get in the game. And then he, and then is he there gave a, bit of- a quote afterwards saying, going, what was I supposed to do? It's like, put your arms up and try and grab the ball, man. Like, I don't know. He's such a confusing player. It feels like there's a bit of Carl anthony Towns to uh, to eight. Um, I they just might don't know had- whether – I think there's a bit a bit of Ben Simmons. Like, you just wonder whether he really enjoys playing basketball. Like, does he like – like, oh, obviously, same. the money's cool and everything, but – Yeah, but if you come from the fucking – Does he like it? He, he's he's from the Bahamas, isn't he? Or is he? Um, is it Carl Towns is from the Bahamas? I don't know. I think Carl Towns uh, is from the Bahamas. I, don't I know think both Ray of them are from, from the um, uh, are from the, them islands uh, where it's nice and sunny and you don't have to do much. And, and I think <laughs> <laughs> you reckon it's got a bit of the Caribbean. What I'm saying is that is basically what, what we've got is is two West Indian cricketers. If you think of them like that. <laughs> Their, their attitude kind of makes a bit more sense. They're like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> oh, no, dude, I'm not going to do an accent, but yeah, don't worry about it, man. It'll it'll sort itself out. We should um, talk about the fact that your your sons might have done something relatively clever if they can avoid getting sued over it, which is with the bankruptcy of all the uh, – or Diamond Sports, which is the company that owns the legacy Fox regional channels – which are now branded as Bally, which is a, a, a casino concern, I think. Uh, they have a lot of the regional sports network contracts for basketball and baseball and various other sports. Um, the Suns want to want to take the contract broke? back since they've gone broke. Well, they've gone broke, but they've still got the rights to it through backwards. When you're in bankruptcy court, you still own the assets you have because they've got a value to them. And in order to try and recoup some of that value, you should be able to sell those things on. But it's a question about whether that you, you lose the rights to that or not. But if the Suns manage to win that, and given that they have more money than, by definition, they have more money than, than Bally Sports because Bally Sports have no money, their plan is to stick the Suns on as much free to wear as they can in the local region. And I think they've hit upon the most important thing about sports in this very fragmented media market that we're in right now, which is. And it's the one, the thing that every Australian sports league has not figured out for reasons that are best known yep. to themselves. Free to wear is king if you want to create and expand your fan base, particularly new fans. 
And I mean, this is not a new thing. This has been around forever. I mean, you look at the Americans. Uh, how many well, people in the 30s sort of say, if they've got an interest in baseball, that their, their favourite team are the fucking Atlanta Braves, even if they're not from Atlanta? And the reason for that was that Ted Turner put the all the, all the Atlanta Braves games on his you know his cable network that that was basically CNN and TNT, and that had a massive reach. And all these kids grew up watching Atlanta Braves games. The same with in the Midwest with WGN, which was the network that had the rights to the Chicago Bulls games in in the Michael Jordan era. That's part of the reason why those Bulls were so popular. It wasn't just that they won all the time; it's that they were on TV all the fucking time. If they weren't on national TV, if you give they, people the they- opportunity to take part in in watching your sport, they will. More, they're going to be more – make it easy for them to find. They're more likely to fucking watch it, particularly if they're young. Yeah, so Ishbiel's on Simmons' podcast, and, and that's essentially what he said. He's like there's three to five million people in the television area around Arizona, around the Suns. Yeah. And he's like, I just, I just want every – he's like, I want everyone to be able to watch a game because if they can watch every game, then they're more likely to come and support our team – and if we've got an amazing home, he's like, I already think we've got amazing fans. But if everybody feels like they're a Suns fans and everybody wants to come to the games and those and those home games are like known amongst the players for being an amazing crowd that really supports their team, then it's easier to recruit players. And, and then we're going to have a more successful team and then more people are going to want to come to the games. It's like yeah. y- you create this, you know, and we've been saying for ages like, why are why are the warriors or like why are these billionaires sort of pricing out the people that make the atmosphere at a game such an important thing yeah there's a lot of chat like, on twitter today about how how it fe- it felt like a mid november crowd at uh, chase center yeah. sorry at um yeah chase center i was going to say oracle cuz that's the old place but uh today yeah now it didn't make a difference cuz the warriors still won by 27 points but Eventually, there'll yep. be that time where you need that crowd to make the difference, and they're not going to be there. Yeah. So, like, if you've got if you've got a home crowd baying for blood versus a whole bunch of corporates, um, I, I don't know whether that you know players are like, oh man, you know the home crowd at the Suns is really good. But if you're a player who goes into the Suns arena and it's like, holy shit, it's hard to play here, and you have a chance to go there, it's like, well, yeah, I want to go and play there. That's a fucking awesome place to play. Um, well, how much – the first thing that people said about the Kings, particularly in this postseason, mm. were that's the loudest fucking building I've ever been in or it's the loudest building – the loudest basketball game I've ever seen on TV. And they cared. And it did not – didn't matter. They didn't win, but they were at a talent disadvantage just quietly. They were up against the reigning champions who won more more chips than the fucking Sandboy Company. But it's not – It it was, it was really interesting to, to hear Ishbia basically admit what – Simmons and a whole heap of other like uh, people that talk about ownership for ages is saying is you're not going to lose money on these teams, right? You can yeah. run it at a loss for 20 years and loss leader do it as a loss leader. Yeah, you'll still yeah. make your money back if you ever want to sell a team. This team was always going to make money, and he's like, I don't care whether the Suns make money. I make money out of my own company. What I want is for the Suns to be successful mm. and to be known as this franchise that does things the right way. And yeah, I can do like, all the evil okay, shit in my yeah. real business where I foreclose on poor people with my mortgage yeah, business. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I, I, could, be, that's I, could, be the, I could be the dark lord of the Sith there as long as yeah. I do the right thing. But I tell, Does anybody I tell you, mention it, what, it, like, 
Dan Gilbert being an absolute scumbag, fucking predatory loan dude when well, he was winning with the Cavs? Absolutely he, not. He, he did get asked about Dan Gilbert and he's like, look, you know, he, he didn't even run out the chestnut of, you know, oh, he, he he's a businessman and I respect him. He's like, look, we work in the same area and we both want to win and at the moment I'm winning and he does shit I don't like. And I've told him I don't like it, and we're not going to be friends, and that's what it is. So I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, uh, yeah, you, you are a new owner, aren't you? You, you haven't requi- quite learnt the uh, the delicacies of you know. I don't think there need to be any delicacies. I mean, that's what owners. That's how no. owners should be. You know, that's how owners should be. But the other thing about about specifically that Phoenix situation is that Phoenix and that uh, larger Phoenix metropolitan area are. A place of transplants. There's a lot of. It's a bit like Miami or somewhere like that, with a hell of a lot of people have moved there from other places in, in the country. So, that, and they there there is a prospect there of actually recruiting displaced fans that you know, like they might have a fandom from where they come from, but you know, y- y- there's a prospect there of, of kind of winning people over if you give people the opportunity to to do that. And I think that's that's actually that would be much more effective than say in, like, New York or somewhere where everyone's fandoms are probably fairly well established. Established, yeah. It's it's hard to establish the Nets when, you know, the Knicks are so generational. Yeah, there's already the, the Knicks. Yeah. And the Knicks are so good. Let's face it, they are the, the – actually, they're not. <laughs> the problem with the Knicks, the Knicks have been a fantastic story and Knicks heat has been great, but the problem is the Knicks are up against the only team that are more tibsy than them. They can out-tibs them. They can do all that fucking the grit ball. and grind and intensity and oz, oz, oz. And Spo is also capable of making an adjustment, which is immediately, yeah. you know, checkmate, motherfucker. Well, the funny thing is, is like they lost the first game. They only just won the second game. And Jimmy Butler didn't play. They're already we down Jimmy. hero. Yeah. They didn't have Jimmy. And then someone else went off in the in, at halftime and didn't come back till late. Like Max Strews didn't come back till late in the yeah. fourth quarter. It's just like, like we always joked about. And like Gabe Vincent, Hilton Cartwright, fucking Super Dave Osborne and some bloke they met at the pub. They really had a really <laughs> weird fucking lineup. Yeah, that there was guys on that roster. Like, I, I feel like I'm not. I'm not. Are we sure they were on the roster? They didn't just pull them out the crowd. They didn't just sort of see anybody yeah. in a heat jersey oh, yeah, who that, happened to rock they, up to MSG and said, "You're the, in." What's that? What's that random rule in the in the NHL where that there has to be like someone in the crowd that can goalkeep if the yeah, third string goalkeeper a, goes like down, the, like the, the the backup to the backup. Um, they don't yeah. dress anybody for that, so there has to be somebody nominated who will be the backup to the backup, and it's often the Zamboni yeah. driver or some random who's who plays a bit of social hockey. And very occasionally, these yeah. guys get to play, and there's absolutely no reason why. You know, this would be like this is like when the wicketkeeper gets to bowl late on the fifth day in a Test match that's heading to a draw. Yeah, there's I, absolutely no reason for this. I actually think all sports should have like an idiosyncratic little rule like that, like. Uh, touch football used to have like we we have a thing called a drop off, which is um, at, at the end of the game if it's tied, you basically play. I think it's one one minute. Yeah, it's one minute. You play one minute and then you lose a player, and you keep losing a player for one minute until you get down to three on three. So essentially, you're playing like full field with half the players, and so obviously there's a shitload of space, and the first team that scores wins. But um, I just think all sports should have like a little weird quirky thing that that hardly ever gets used 
but is just sitting there so that when it gets used, it's like, holy shit, this actually happened. This this idiosyncratic rule from, like, the 1920s suddenly came into play in this multi-billion dollar professional sport. Some fat dude from the from the crowd just got pulled out to goalkeep for the last 30 seconds in an NHL final. <laughs> just, I don't know. I love shit like that. I feel as though the, the sport themselves are probably not looking for opportunities to make themselves look like a fucking... <laughs> Seventh grade amateur shambles on a fucking Thursday night. I think golden uh, golden point in rugby league should be the the coaches have to take penalty kicks until till one of them gets it. That's what I think. I reckon they I should just Wayne. fucking I, I shake see on the draw because there's nothing wrong with the draw. If you're if you're fucking equal after eighty minutes, you're equal after eighty minutes, and we can just fucking deal with the fact that sometimes there are no winners and losers, and you know that's a false dichotomy, and the world is different. The world, that's not how the world works. Yeah. Uh, all right. Is there any other series we need to hit on? Oh, should we talk? Should we talk about Bud? Oh, like, oh, we haven't. Yeah. I, I'm not. I didn't. I didn't love it, that. It's, I really didn't love that. The way that you know. I know. I know. It's you know. He coached like shit and his brother died and these two things two things aren't necessarily connected. And, you know, they did the same thing to Isaiah with an with an extra eye Thomas at the Celtics, where he played his his absolute guts out and his hip out uh for the Celtics, and then the Celtics basically did him dirty, you know, after after his sister died. Um I know it shouldn't matter, but I I didn't like that. I it just made me feel awful. D- did he coach terribly? Yes. <laughs> yeah, sure, but like do you think you do your job very well under pressure if your sibling had died? I don't like. I don't have a sibling, but I, I think I, I tweeted from the account. Oh, you I wouldn't see think- me for a month, man. I'd you know I'd I'd be absolutely destroyed. Yeah. You know, and I'm um, know, I'm not that much younger than him than than Bud. So th- th- there was a, a an unusual supporter for for Bud, which was Haralabob, who basically tweeted out a whole bunch of stats to say. A whole bunch of stuff to say. Look, Bud gets a bad rap for not being flexible, but he's a, he's more flexible than you know eighty percent of NBA coaches. <laughs> and yeah, like th- there's a whole heap. If of we, we rank them, he would less- you know he'd, he'd be at least be below Tibbs in terms of the the inflexibilometer. And his point was, you'd want to make sure that you've got a really good game day coach to replace him. That you're not replacing yeah. him with you know Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd or, like, like even, you know, we, we were saying, like, Nick Nurse's name doesn't seem to be as strong as it was a year ago. Um, well, I, I feel like, uh, like I said before, I feel like Tampa is, the, the Tampa experience kind of broke him, yeah. but he has not been the same coach and he certainly didn't develop. He's not as good a, a, good a coach uh, as he was in 2019. Now, that's it, not just because he had Kawhi Leonard. It's just, he's not doing the stuff. Well, He's not making the adjustments. He's not developing the young players on the end of the bench. I mean, Scotty Barnes hasn't really he's, – he's had a little bit of a second-year wall. Uh, and, and Fred Van Vliet and, you know, OG and all those guys are certainly no better than they were in 2019. And I think mm. that's kind of the, the indictment is that they've kind of stayed stagnant. I, I think that the, the thing that we're sort of learning is that the Spos and the Pops of the world are – there is a strata to NBA coaching, and some NBA coaches yeah. have. They're a also shelf constantly life. evolving, even if you don't see it. Yeah, yeah. So, some have like a like a use by date. You know, you know. I think Jason Kidd yep. is definitely that coach, right? He's really good. Short half life, really yeah. short half life. Real and and it drops off hard. <laughs> um, yep. 
and, and they're and already may- there. And maybe Nick Nurse is like a four-year coach with the team, you know, and, and then his sort of grinding style starts to wear on the players and, you know, he needs a new gig. So m- maybe for the first two or three years of Milwaukee, while they've got this core, he'll be really, he'd be a really good coach. Um, but, yeah, don't know. I think it's going to come down to what Giannis wants. Don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I I just don't like the timing. Like, could could you not have waited until the NBA finals were over and everything sort of chilled out for a couple of weeks? Oh, I don't know. Well, unless they really feel like they need to go and signal to somebody who's humming and harring that they their the opportunity is open, but surely all that shit happens in back channels. Or there's no or the reason. Other, to- the, the the other the other side might have been, hey man, you got a lot to deal with. We don't want you to come back and have to deal with buck stuff. And family stuff, we're not going to bring you back. So we'll, we'll let we'll let you know now, so you can go away and do your own shit. I, I, I don't know. Like you just you never know the internal conversations, but it just didn't look good. It wouldn't have looked like that. I don't think it. It just looked like you know this guy sucked, and uh, we wish him all the best. But he sucked, notwithstanding the fact that he won a chip, and they tried to fire him during that. So yeah. I, the problem is we still don't know if Bud's a good coach or not. He won a fucking chip. Then again, so did Frank Vogel. As as I said, <laughs> you know, it's a bit hard to fucking work. Ty Lue won a chip, and he's some of his coaching decisions with that Clippers team have been appalling. Yeah, it might just be that that you know, coaches are human and make mistakes. Except for Spo and Pop, who never make any mistakes. I think, well, you know, Pop Pop famously famously made a, a really bad mistake against Spo in that in that Heat series where he took he took Duncan out for the last defensive possession, and they. Couldn't get the rebound, so uh, I just think there's, there's guys that like Spo and Pop seem to be able to evolve, right? They don't stay still. Um, they sort of push, push their push themselves to to adapt to their teams. And then there's other coaches who are more college like and are like, "Well, you will play my system, a la Tibbs." And so if you're a front office, you've got to you've got to basically put together a Tibbs type team. Because otherwise, why have him as your coach? Um, yeah, like he he would have been terrible for Dur- Durant and and Kyrie. Like he just would not have been a good coach for that team. No, no. There, given all these these high profile teams that are losing coaches, I don't feel like there's a huge swell of candidates to replace them. I don't feel like there's a whole lot of like first assistants who we're just waiting to give jobs to. No, it's. It's a it, like you said. It's not great timing. Not only just for the HR side of things, but you know, looking after somebody who's going through a bereavement, um, but also the fact that you, as as you pointed out, as Haralabob said, Haralabob Vulgaris, Bob Vulgaris, the former um, uh, the, the Spanish football consort team of of Mark Cuban, I guess we'll call him. The uh, consort makes him sound like they were doing a sex. Uh, the former kind of pseudo shadow GM of the of the yeah. Mavs. Like, who have you got lined up? Are you bringing fucking David Blanover from Israel? What are we doing yeah, here? Yeah, well, like, evidently um, the Celtics tried, the to candidates? Bring, tried to bring Vogel in as the lead assistant to to help, you know, the young guy there. And he's like, no, man, I, I'm having a couple of years off. The Lakers are paying me. I'm not coaching again. Yeah, I, I, I'm not endangering my cash, man. If, if I come back, I lose my money, and I'm not doing that. And I think like, that's fair enough, too, after, after having to deal with Clutch and LeBron and AD yeah. and all that shit. And again, I feel like that Vogel and uh, Bud's recent experiences are probably not too dissimilar. In that they won it, won with a team that wasn't that was flawed but good enough on that year. 
and that everything since has been a bit of a disappointment and not entirely yeah. up to them. Yeah, but there, there doesn't seem to be like um, Kevin Arnovitz used to do that article, and he seems to have disappeared off the radar completely. But um, yeah, he's gone. Um, yeah, he left ESPN, and I think he's gone into. Um, I did hear what he was doing. It was something quite interesting. Because um, like, like he, yeah. he, him and him and Haberstray do a, a Top Chef podcast, which I listen to. So I, I hear his voice all the time, yeah. but I just never see his writing anymore. But he used to do that. Uh, you know assistant coach rankings, you know, or, or front office slash assistant, you know, the the people most likely in college, assistant coach, overseas rankings to get a job. And I just don't hear the same hype around a whole bunch of assistants that we used to. Kevin Ollie's one, you know, Duran's old college coach. He, he gets mentioned a little bit, but yeah, although he hasn't done much. He, he got into some shit with, um, like, uh, you know, not admissible fucking shit that you're not yeah. allowed to do, giving people uh, money. Yeah. Anyway, it'll be interesting. All right, Doc, shall we come back and talk some tunes? Do you want, any, do, you want to do any predictions or any uh, any anything about what's going to happen for the, for the second round, considering I won't be back for a couple of weeks? TV writer. He's gotten into screenwriting. Ah, right. Okay. Well, he's on strike at the moment then. <laughs> yes. We're not going to hear much of him for a while, but he's um, written a, uh, a thing called Going for Two, which is about an openly gay NFL quarterback who falls for a charming high school teacher. So good luck to Kevin with that. I don't feel like America is a place for – is a place that's going to welcome that kind of dialogue right now. But uh, anyway, good luck to him. What was your question? <laughs> I was trying to find out what Kevin Arnovitz was doing. No, I got, we're I got, making predictions. I'm, yeah, yeah, we should make predictions because that always works out fucking uh, well. I think uh, Nuggets, Warriors, and Heat, Celtics. Sure, sure. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that feels good. chalky. Look, That's chalky. That'll do. Uh, th- th- those, only- those are the, the last remaining. They're the, they're the highest remaining seeds on both sides in all games. So yeah, that, that sounds uh, chalky. No, the Heat. Yeah. Heat are lower than the Celt- uh, Heat are lower than the Knicks. Yeah, but they're the Knicks. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, let's come back and talk some tunes, Doc. Lovely to chat right, to you. Uh, I'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'll be back next week uh, with a mystery guest host. Oh, all right, it's Adam. Um, and uh, this was Bulls Podcast. I'm Doc. He was Bezo, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I'm off. I'm off international coaching, so I'll uh, see you in a couple of weeks. I wish you well in Tagalog, but I fucking can't, so. <laughs> See ya. Gary has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Still doesn't know. I need some whiskey. I'll be back. Well, funny you should mention that. I know a man who knows a man who might be talking to you about that very soon. <laughs>